Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I've really been considering today's message, and I think it's an important message. As we begin this new year, we're going to begin a a 21-day fast, and uh, we were created to experience a personal, intimate life with the Lord. And the purpose of our fast should be to deepen our relationship with the Lord and receive direction from Him for this year and the coming days. So I'm asking you as a family to please join us, and I'll talk a little bit more about that this morning. But we, what I thought about is that we could begin the fast on Wednesday, January 4th, and uh, a, a time of season of prayer and fasting, and so we're starting in the middle of the week, so you can kind of ramp up. And, uh, but before I get into it, let's talk about our mission statement. Our mission is to develop, maintain, a model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I haven't talked about it a lot in a while, but to develop is to, to come into this relationship with Him. Begin to develop that relationship because there are people that you know that don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so the first step in this intimate relationship with the Lord is developing that relationship, coming into that relationship with Him. So develop, maintain, as we believe there are a number of ways that you maintain that relationship with the Lord, but through prayer. Knowledge of the Word, but not just knowing the Word, but applying the life, uh, applying the Word to your life, and then also prayer. So those are four key ways that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord and maintain that. Because many of us have had these cycles, right? You're hot for God, and then you crash, and you're cold, and you're on this roller coaster ride. Well, if, if we continue to seek the Lord and spend time with Him, pray, read the Word, and then take the Word and ingest it and go out and live it. All right, live this thing out. That's what we're talking about. And so we want to develop that relationship, and then we model it primarily through serving as we go out and live it. People see the Jesus in us. They see the lifestyles that we live. They know that we're not perfect, but we are living the life, and we are allowing God to transform our hearts and our lives so that we can have and continue to grow in this personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So let me ask you today, how's your relationship with Christ? (laughs) <laughs> it's not, not going too good today. <laughs> Are you developing a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him? Because that's the goal. I mean, you know, being able to quote Scripture and know Scripture, all those things are vital. All those things are important. But at the end of the day, it's our relationship with Him that really matters. So, Over the next few days while we're fasting and praying and spending time with the Lord, let's ask the Lord to reveal to us what our relationship with Him is really like. Is it really personal, intimate? And then the goal is that we will impact the world around us as we come into this relationship, as we have this intimate, personal relationship with Him naturally, supernaturally, we will impact the world. So 
our, our vision at Life Fellowship is to make disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And you know the Great Commission, Jesus, one of the final things Jesus said is go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Obey all that I've taught you. Know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. And so when we come together, together, whether it be in life groups on Sunday morning, we're getting trained and equipped and released to go out because Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came that he would work through our lives to save a lost and dying world. And our core scripture is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave them to the church, not just when the, uh, Jesus and the apostles were here, but these are the gifts he gave to the church. We need them today, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, for equipping the saints so that we come into knowledge of God's son, Jesus, and we come into unity in our faith so that we can grow and mature, so that we can live this life that is the abundant life that Jesus came to give us and so that he can work through our lives and we go share the hope and the love of Christ with a lost and dying world. So today's message is fasting. We're starting a new series called Prepare. And uh, I, I really want us during the season to be intentionally seeking the Lord. I know that we should be doing that all the time, but I, I want us to really press in I want to talk about what is fasting. Fasting is to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. Now, I know that many of us have fasted. You, you have a doctor's appointment. They say, we're going to take some blood work, and we want you to fast for eight hours. Or maybe you fasted to lose weight uh, or for other dietary reasons. But biblical fasting is to deny, to deny our body by abstaining from food, only drinking water, and to intentionally spend time with the Lord through prayer. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the season, season of prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer is a great way to receive direction and insight from the Lord. There's a sensitivity that happens as we deny our flesh and we intentionally seek Him. And when we're fasting, our emotions are heightened, our senses are heightened, uh, our spiritual senses, our physical senses. After some time of fasting, you may walk into the grocery store and you're smelling aromas that you had never noticed before. They were always there. You walk by the oranges and you can actually smell the oranges. And so this fasting, what it does is it heightens our sensitivity, not only physically, but spiritually. And so that's why every year at the beginning of the year, or we have for the past few years, we've spent some time fasting and praying. And so when we fast and pray, we should be seeking personal direction from the Lord. Say, Lord, what do you have for me this year? What is it that you're working in my heart and in my life? And then, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do in my family, in my marriage, in my life? Maybe you're calling me to step up in ministry and do more. Most of you are serving. You know, we set up and tear down every week, and you guys are great. But maybe there's some of us that, that could do a little more. You know, we're starting life groups, and I encourage all of you to get into a life group. And so maybe there's something we can help out with that. We can help the host home in serving, or, or we can host a group, or uh, when we're ready, we can lead a group, facilitate a group. We can have a Bible study at our workplace. 
There, there's a lot of things that, that we can do as we pray and seek the Lord. We're praying for direction for our, our property and the, the building, the ministry opportunities, because as we expand and grow, there come other opportunities. But not every opportunity that comes before us is one that the Lord wants us to do. And so we need to be sensitive to His Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you something. I don't want to embarrass anybody here, and I want you to be honest. But for how many of you, this is your home church? Let me see your hands. Okay. All right. Thank you for that honesty. I'm glad you raised your hand. Uh, and I want to ask you to, to raise your hand on this because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But do you trust me to lead you and feed you well? I mean, because you can go and be fed. <laughs> Have you ever had bad meal? No, uh, we don't want any bad meals here. But how many of you trust me to lead and feed you? Do you trust me in that? Because I'm asking you to fast and pray during the season. And if I'm your pastor, if we're your pastors, then this is something that we're asking. Now, so we're talking to our family here. If you're watching online, you may not, this may not be relevant to you, but although you can fast and pray too. But I'm not asking anyone to fast for 21 days. But I am asking every one of us to take some time and fast some. Um, now, if, if there's a legitimate medical reason you cannot fast, then that's okay. But, you know, well, I'm hungry, so I can't fast. That's not good enough. <laughs> Because <laughs> we would all fall into that category. But if you cannot, for some medical reason or, or some reason, you cannot fast and, and pray, you can pray. You, and so I'm asking all of us to dedicate time to seeking the Lord. That's the heart of it. The fasting is just part of it. Uh, the prayer is, is a major part of it. But I want you to, my first point is, ask the Lord how long he wants you to fast. And really, be, let's be serious about this. Guys, we're living in a world that's crumbling around us. And we are not, this, this world is not our home. Our home is in heaven. But we're residents of this earth now, of this place now. And if I live in a cruddy apartment, it impacts my life and my children. And so we need to be praying for our lives, for our families, for this nation. Again, this is not our home, but we're, we're residents here. We have an impact. God has given us the, the privilege and the opportunity and the Holy Spirit to go and make a difference in a lost and dying world. And the problems are not just American. They're global. Listen, if, if you've read the Bible, you know what happens. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. The movie's coming, all right? Are we prepared, though? Are we getting prepared? And so during this season, we're preparing our hearts for what the Lord is going to do, not only in January and February and 2023 and 24, but for beyond. And so when, when you go to the Lord, ask Him how long He wants you to fast or what He wants you to do. That's what's important. I'm not here to tell you what to do. God will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And usually what I've found in my life, it's the first impression that I need to go with. Because, for instance, when we have a guest come in and I say, Lord, okay, what do you want Life Fellowship to bless this ministry with? He gives me a number. And I'll, okay, all right. Then I'll say, Lord, what do you want Mark and Christine to sow into this gift that we're going to give this minister? And so he'll give me a number. And usually it's more than what I was thinking. 
But here's what happens. If I begin to think about that, and, you know, a little while later I might, well, you know, that's a lot of money. Uh, What if we give him this? And then the more I think about it, it goes from here to down here. Well, this is all right. No, that's not what the Lord told me to do. That's what Mark told me to do. And so many times when we're seeking the Lord, uh, and we need to pray, and that's why we develop the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so we know His voice versus our own voice or, or versus other voices that are around us and speaking to us, that we develop the sensitivity to Him. And so I've found that usually the first thing the Lord tells me is, is what He wants me to do because I'll talk myself out of that. I'll justify it. So usually my second, third, and fourth impression will be less And it's driven by me. So let's go back to talking about fasting. There there are a number of options, and I'm just going to throw some things out here. The the thing that you should do is pray about it. The first week, you may say, well, I'm going to skip dinner. I'm going to have breakfast and lunch. And then the second week, you may say, well, I'm going to skip lunch and dinner and just eat breakfast. And then maybe the third week, you say, well, I'm I'm just going to fast all meals. For seven days or whatever. Or you may say, well, I'm going to fast three days the first week. Just kind of ease into this thing. And then I'll fast five days the second week and seven the, the third week. You know, I'm just giving you some options. Uh, many of us have heard and even participated in the Daniel fast. Have you ever heard of the Daniel fast? And that's no, no meat, no sweets, no alcohol. It's not a fast. It, it's really a dietary thing. I remember seeing a guy on, on uh, social media one time, and he said, oh, we're in a Daniel fast, and he'd gone to one of those soup and salad places. He had a huge salad. He had like three, three bowls of, of soup. I'm like, that's not fasting, that's feasting. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's really, it's, it's not about, well, let me say it this way, it's a matter of the heart. It's really a matter of our heart. And so, uh, a Daniel fast is not really a fast, and, you know, I mean, maybe some people do that, and that's okay. But you can do some things like you can start during the middle of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and fast toward the weekend, and then begin to eat, you know, maybe on Saturday or Sunday. I'm telling you, if you fast for a while, if you've done an extended fast, you can build up your strength really quickly. It's amazing. <laughs> and uh, so my first point really is ask the Lord how long He wants you to fast. And be open to what he says. Listen, the word says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so if God leads you to it, he will lead you through it. And so the second point this morning is the main purpose is to spend time with the Lord. That's the heart. That's the goal. And not eating uh, without praying is just dieting. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking to really press into the Lord. Listen, we need it, especially in these times. Um, and I'm going to ask one other thing of you this year. Normally at the first of the year, we have like a, a scripture reading uh, for the, the year. And, and I really want us to, to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. So, and you know, the thing about that, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So if it's the 18th, well, I read Proverbs 18. If it's the... 19th, and, and uh, ooh, I, I didn't read 17 and 18. Go back and read 17 or 18, or, or maybe you just read 19. But I want us to do that, not just through this fasting period, but throughout the entire year. 
and you'll have read through the book of Proverbs 12 times. And what you may want to do is every time you read through a chapter, journal, I, I encourage everyone to journal, you may want to jot down what God is speaking to you. And what you'll find is in January, when you read uh, Proverbs ch chapter 4, God may be saying one thing to you, and then in February, when you read Proverbs chapter 4, He may be saying something different. Listen, this is about engaging with Him on a greater level, and God's Word is powerful. And, and so as we engage with Him and as we read His Word and ingest His Word, how many of us had said, well, I'm going to read through the entire Bible this year, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read through it ten times this year. After a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe, you give up or, you know. So I, I'm giving us something that we can do in bite-sized bits. Now, if you want to read through the entire Bible in the year, that's great. That is outstanding. But let's be realistic. Let's start with what we can do and then expand from there. So if you're already doing that and you want to do more, man, go for it. So throughout these 21 days, a couple of tips here. You want to prepare yourself. You want to prepare yourself spiritually. Again, seeking the Lord and saying, what do you have for me? How do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do? Prepare yourself physically. Listen, if, if you're going to be fasting, doing an extended fast, you probably don't want to be moving all the plants around in the yard or doing, taking on some laborious task. You want to prepare yourself mentally. You want to say, look, I'm going to commit to this. I'm committed to this, and I'm going to press through, and with the Lord's help, I'll make it. I'm telling you right now, and many of you know this, we, we've fasted for a number of years. So many of you, this is not anything new. But fasting is hard. <laughs> it's not easy. Spending time is, is hard. How many of you have ever spent like three hours praying? Sometimes three minutes praying is difficult. Fasting and praying is not an easy thing to do. But it's an essential thing that builds us up. So we need to pray with expectation. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I expect to connect with you and receive direction from you during this fast. And that's, that's the heart that we need to come with. Whenever we come here on Sunday morning, normally I pray, Lord, open our spiritual eyes to see what you're doing. Open our spiritual ears to hear what you're saying. Lord God, open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. Let us walk away changed because we've had this encounter with you and we're being changed. And so we pray this prayer with expectation and we thank you for it. Listen, God comes to a place that is prepared. God comes to a heart. He comes to a people that are prepared and open and ready and willing. So I love it when we come here on Sunday mornings. You guys are ready to worship and praise God and hear the word and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Because it wouldn't matter what I taught, the Lord can do some stuff in your life because His Word will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. And every time you come here, I cannot think of an exception. You are not going to be getting the Word. 
So if we taught Jesus wept for 52 weeks, God would be doing something. Amen. So uh, the other thing I want to say is listen to your body. Uh, last year, uh, when I fasted 21 days, I probably drank about a gallon of juice during that 21-day period because I think after about day 7 or 8 or 9, I was feeling a little bit weak. So I got some juice. And, and buy 100% juice. Don't buy that sugar water, okay? <laughs> and, and so I, I, I got some juice, and I poured it over some uh, crushed ice and just sipped on that just to give me a little more strength. So listen to your body, but do not listen to your flesh. I told you the story when I'd been fasting early on when, you know, when I first started fasting. I'd been fasting a number of days, and I walked into H-E-B, and I could smell the aromas, the bananas, the oranges. (sighs) I walked around the corner, and there's a Hostess Cupcakes display, and I wanted to rip the box open and start eating cupcakes. My flesh is like, go for it, go for it. You can pay for them at the counter. I'm like, shut up, flesh, or you'll go another week. So I'm telling you, your flesh is a viable contender, but that's why you need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'm committed to this. The Lord is speaking to us, Life Fellowship family. The Lord has been speaking to us, not just on, on, in life groups and uh, on Sunday mornings, but are we listening? Because your wife... Your spouse can be talking, forgive me, honey, and you cannot be listening. Wah, 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 the trash, wah, 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 the art, wah, wah, you know, right? And so God is speaking, but are we really listening to what he's saying? In 2019, the Lord gave me a word for us. We are in a reset before COVID really hit. God was speaking to us, giving us a warning saying we're in a reset and, and it's greater than just COVID. And then in 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. This was a couple of weeks before the George Floyd incident. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. Listen, it's come to an end. The world as we knew it has come to an end. And so the Lord is giving us words. He's speaking into our lives. Why? So we have more information? No. But because so we can prepare. In May of 21, the Lord gave me a single word, prepare. So let me ask you, I've shared this word with you over the past 18 months. Have you grown more in your relationship with the Lord? I told you when I gave, gave us that word that I don't know what all that means, but you have a responsibility to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what does prepare mean for me? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean for my life? So are we taking God's word and being serious with him and really listening? Or are we just hearing the words, prepare, oh yeah, whatever. Another word last year during our 21-day fast in January of 22. Lord woke me up and he said, are you prepared for my return? Are you prepared for my return? And then I, I was so kind of overwhelmed and it was cold and I didn't want to go get out of bed and go to my office. I went back to sleep and I woke up and I said, Lord, forgive me. Is there more you have to share with me? And the next night, the next morning, he woke me up. I got up out of bed. I went to my office. <laughs> and he said, I'm returning soon. And I said, wow, Lord, 
You know, we've seen it for years. People hold up the signs, repent, the Lord is coming soon and all that. I'm thinking, why are you telling me this, Lord? He's telling us because he wants us to know. He could have told us anything, right? And I said, okay, so the Lord tells me, are you pre prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I do with this? And he said, press into me. I said, okay, well, what, what should I do to, to prepare a life fellowship? And he said, tell him. And I told you. And I've been telling you. When the Lord comes, we don't have like six months to get ready. Oh, he's coming. And, you know, like some women, you know, take 20 minutes. Honey, we've got to go. I've got to get this on. You know, I've got to put on your makeup. Not my wife, of course. Other women I've, I've heard about. But when the Lord comes, you don't have six months. You don't have six weeks. You don't have six days. You don't have six hours. Are we prepared for his return? Are we really, do we have this relationship with him that he could come and we could say, Lord, here am I. Take me. I've done the work that you called me to do. I've, I've done what you've asked me to do. I've been obedient. Yes, I've, I've had some stumblings and some failings, but... But when I do, when I fall, I fall forward into you and I press on toward the mark of the goal or the prize and I'm, I'm doing everything within my ability, empowered by your Holy Spirit to do the things that you called me to do. Second Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5, Paul is writing to his son in the faith, preparing him to lead the early church. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. He doesn't just say, you're going to have some rough spots. He says, in the, in, the, in the last days there will be very difficult times. Look around. I think we're headed for some very difficult times. I think we're in some difficult times. But I think it could get a whole lot worse. Think about what's happened over the last few years, COVID, extreme inflation, the economy. Okay, so when the Lord was telling us to prepare 18 months ago, do you think he could have been talking about maybe preparing financially? There are people that are living on the edge, spending everything they make two years ago, three years ago. What do you think it's like now with inflation? You know, it's amazing. Uh, lack of electricity. I'm thinking, are we living in a third world country now? You know, all the push for green energy and, and all that, and you're telling people in California, well, don't turn on your air conditioners or your refrigerators. Or Did anybody kind of think through this process a little bit? You know, just kind of curious. Second um, Timothy 3, 2, for people will love only themselves and their money. Many people disregard biblical financial truths and principles and end up suffering a lifetime with money problems. Uh, this trap can destroy lives and marriages and families. Money is the number one cause for divorce. I've talked to people, they're like, man, pastor, will you pray for me? I need a job and I'll pray for him. And I'll tell them, look, look, when God blesses you with a job, don't forget him. Don't forget to return to him what belongs to him. He gives us 100%, and he says, I just want 10% back. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> I 
Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to start tithing when I get... And they get a job. Oh, Pastor, I got a job. It, man, it's an amazing job. God's really blessing me. And, and they're here for a few weeks. And it's like, bye, bye, bye. Who did that song? Boys and Men or somebody? Bye, bye, bye. Anyway. In uh, <laughs> sync, whatever. Uh, and, and they're gone. And then, then you hear later that they're struggling financially. Things are crashing. Their marriage and their relationships are, are in the tank. And then you, we see people that, that are more interested in making money than coming to church and being involved in life groups and things like that. And other activities will say, oh, well, you know, this activity is important and, and we have to do this. When what they really need is to be here to get the word to help them navigate the challenges of life. And I, so I'm talking about not just coming to church on Sunday morning and not just being involved in a life group, but having this intimate personal relationship, having people in your life that can speak into your life in love and grace and give godly counsel and advice. And so you have people that are disregarding what the Lord is saying and going their own way and suffering the consequences and and, and what they really need is to be taught at church. These truths and principles can help people get out of the destructive cycles that they're trying to escape. I was talking with my wife the other day, and we were talking about ministry, and, and I was saying how that we live in an area San Leon and Baycliffe and some of those areas are like the crack capital of this, this area. And so I said, how can we help people? You know, if, if somebody has a need and they say, well, look, I need $100. $100 is not going to fix their problem. You could give someone, you could give a bad steward a million dollars. It's not going to fix their problem. Do you know, have you heard of people that they get like millions of dollars, inherit millions of dollars or something? A few, few years later, they're completely broke. They have, now they have all this money, much more than they had, but they're not stewarding well what they have. And so it's a matter of stewardship. Are we stewarding well what God has gifted to us, what he's given to us? And I'm not just talking about money, time, talents treasures, but giftings and callings. And so how can we help people who are trapped? And she said, well, without Christ, we can't. I thought, well, that's really, let's get to the bottom line here. Um, without Christ, it's bleak. And even in the church today, we see people that reject Christ and his instructions. And you probably know people that remain hopelessly bound They can't do it on their own. We, need, we all need Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, 2 continues, They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. A few years ago, uh, we had, you know, $35,000 worth of stuff stolen out of, our storage, out of our storage unit. They knew we were church church stuff posted all over it we were targeted people don't care people don't care uh, some people don't care what about human life 
Is that important? I have a pet peeve when, when I see those SPCA commercials and the little puppy dog oh, shaking and crying. And, and listen, I, I don't think we should abuse animals. But has animals' lives become more important than human lives? Church, something is wrong in our society. And if, if we don't stand up and live it, if we don't pray and, and live uncompromising lives, what do we expect the world to do? We are supposed to be setting the standard. Verse 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Unforgiveness happens to people in the church. I know people that are bound up because they will not forgive. They're unforgiving. uh, Unforgiveness turns to bitterness, anger, hatred. So we all have to deal with that, but with God doing this work in our hearts and lives, transforming us, we can forgive those people that have hurt us. Listen, you've hurt somebody probably greater than you realize. There was a woman in England I read about recently. She was arrested for praying silently near an abortion clinic. She wasn't protesting. She wasn't throwing, you know, Matov cocktails and saying, kill the doctor, blow up the abortion clinic. She was praying silently. And I was thinking, can this happen in America? (laughs) You know, 50, 20, 10 years ago, maybe not, but it's not too far out of the question now. In Ludon County, Virginia, on December 13th of this past year, 2022, at a school board meeting after a grand jury indicted They indicted, they found this person guilty, the former superintendent of a school, uh, they indicted the former uh, superintendent and a school official for the mishandling of sexual assaults. Parents demanded some school board members to resign for the mishandling of sexual assaults. And what happened where there were two female students that were assaulted by a boy wearing a, a skirt. Now... If you have teenage boys and they can freely go into the women's restroom, do you think there would be any of those boys that would do that? Hey, dude, listen, I'll put on a skirt. And I'll, that'll give me free entrance into the women's restrooms, the girls' restrooms. Did, is anybody thinking about any of this stuff? <laughs> the school's transgender policy has been an issue during the public comment section of the meeting. One person accused the board of promoting immoral behavior against God's design and natural order. One person said LGBT behavior should never been promoted, taught, or encouraged in the schools you oversee. He paraphrased Jesus saying, if any man or woman causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them if a millstone to be put around your neck and thrown into the lake. He added, get back to reading, writing, and arithmetic and quit grooming and pimping. Those comments provoked a 19-year-old to start a petition banning hate speech at future school board meetings. The petition currently has almost 900 signatures. This organizer says comments like this empower people to commit acts of violence against the LGBTQ plus community. 
So we live in a society now where it seems if we disagree with someone, then it's hate speech, it's racial, it's whatever it is. And I'm thinking, well, is, is sexual assault okay? Speaking the word of God could now be considered hate speech? Silent prayer, illegal? What's next? Preaching and teaching the Bible in some countries is illegal. <laughs> Are we headed that way? And we've told people, look, if you don't have a, a hard a paper Bible that's printed, you should probably get one. Because, you know, everything is electronic now and those things can be changed. And they're fine. I'm, I mean, I use them all the time. But you probably ought to get a, a Bible that's printed so that it can't be changed. So I'm, I'm talking about fasting and praying today. Listen, I don't get political from the platform. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to deny that there are problems, but it's, it's not all Republican or Democrat or independent. The problem is spiritual. Lord, help us. If we don't fast and pray, if we don't care enough about our family, let's just forget about America for a moment. If we don't care enough about our family, our marriages, our homes to fast and pray, what do you think is going to happen in this country secondarily? 2 Timothy 3.3 continues, They will be cruel and hate what is good. <laughs> do we see that today? Oh, this is good. No, that's evil. Oh, no, this is evil according to the Word of God. No, that's good. We see people being kind. I'm not going to say there aren't kind people in the world today. There are. But we see acts that are incredibly wicked. Have you ever seen, you know, the videos of an older person walking down the street and somebody just clocks them for no reason, just knocks them out? What, what is wrong with people? Why, what would possess Anyone to do something like that or, or rip a, a drag a woman down the sidewalk trying to steal her purse, break into a house or business and get what they want. Okay, I've got the alcohol, I've got the cash and just shoot and kill somebody. Listen, that, that's wicked. It's evil. And the government cannot fix it. Only Jesus can. And we get to partner with Jesus in praying for people. 2 Timothy 3, 4 says, They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. What's he talking about? I think he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Yielding to the Lord, the power that could make them godly. Jesus dealt with that when he was here. We're dealing with that today. People claim to be followers of Christ, yet reject his commands. Are they really in a relationship with him? I've heard people say, well, look, I'm, the Lord is speaking to me, and he's told me this, but I'm not going to do it. Are they rejecting him? From last week, Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. God loves us. He's not trying to restrict us. But he's saying, look, if, if, you, if you say that you're a Christian, if you say that you're a disciple of Christ, a follower of me, that I'm your teacher, 
that you've committed your life to me, there should be some evidence. And we know that blessings follow those who obey God. And it's not about money. It's about the abundant life. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have abundant life in John 10.10. We see the thief killing people, stealing, destroying lives and marriages to the point that without Jesus there is no hope. So what are we going to do about it? Just go on our way? Oh, whatever, that's their problem. What if God did that for us? It's breaking God's heart. It should be breaking our hearts. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Then he's, he has some strong words. He says, stay away from people like that. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. If people will not receive, if people are unwilling to yield to the Lord, what can you really do about it? For, for believers, for us, Paul has some hard but solid advice. He says, stay away from people like that. You know, have you ever hung around somebody that was compromising and the next thing you know, you're kind of compromising? That's why the body of Christ is so vitally important for us to, to bond together, to have these relationships. I love the love that's in this house. None of us are perfect. But we have these relationships. And if I smash my thumb with a hammer, do you think it impacts my body? <laughs> and when we have brothers and sisters, and I'm not talking about specifically here, but in the body of Christ, they're living unkind, all kinds of ungodly lifestyles. Do you think it has an impact on the rest of the body of Christ? Please hear me. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. So I'm not talking about performing I'm talking about being transformed, yielding to the Lord, because that's the only way this transformation can happen. Because if you could do it on your own, you would have. Maybe. Maybe not. But you couldn't. So, how can we help people? How can we help people that refuse to yield, say, I know the Lord is telling me this, telling me that, that this is the problem. But I'm not going to yield. What can we do for them? Can we help them? The only way that we can help them is to pray for them that they find Jesus. He is their only hope. He is our only hope. And so what can we do? We can fast. We can pray for them. We can teach them the truth when they come. And they say, hey, I've got a problem. And, and we know the word of God. The Word of God is resident within us that we can share the hope and the love of Christ, that we could give them godly counsel. Read the Proverbs. It's all there. Read the Bible. It's all there. To help us so that we can help other people. God didn't just save us so we can go to heaven. That's part of it but that we could have this abundant life, that we could walk in the power and the authority and the dominion that He's allocated to us 
so that a lost and dying world can come into this relationship with Jesus. And they're looking for people like you. They can say, hey, I know the way. Like Al talked about this morning, I, I can be that beacon to lead you to him. But if your light is out, if there is no light, if you're living in darkness, you'll be stumbling around just like those that are lost. So we have the opportunity to help people know the truth. Listen, it's, it's not our job and the leader's job to do the ministry. It's our job to train and equip and release. We all have a responsibility. But listen, when we get on fire and when we go out and we're living this thing out, we're making much greater impact. Our role is, my role is to primarily lead and feed. There's a lot of other stuff that happens in between that I have to deal with, but that's my primary goal. And so I want us to be serious about our relationship with the Lord. It's not about going to church. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a transformed life. Are we prepared? The scriptures that we've just read, they seem to be de describing our country and the world today. And, and these things may be difficult for us, the economy and COVID and some of these things, but even more devastating is not being spiritually prepared, not being connected to Him. Well, I'll, get, I'll, I'll come to the Lord, you know, on my deathbed or after I do this or that. You may not have that opportunity. 2 Timothy 3.1, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Listen, I, I'm not a doom, uh, gloom and doom kind of preacher, but I think that we're headed for some rough times because look at what's happening to the church. Look at what the effects in the culture, moral de decay and, and all these things that we're seeing that we live in a country that was founded by God and now rejecting Him and seeing the devastating results. And we can see that in the church. But wait, 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 wait. Maybe I need to look in the mirror. <laughs> What's happening in my life? Ask the Lord how long He wants you to fast. The main purpose is to spend time with the Lord. My third point is please commit to joining us in this fast. Listen, this can be life-changing for you. God may place on your heart to be praying for somebody. This could save your life. Physically, spiritually. And I'll tell you again, listen, I don't, I don't sugarcoat this stuff. Fasting is hard. It's not easy. Our flesh is a viable contender. Ah, oh, look at those cupcakes. Oh, wouldn't that be good with a cold glass of milk? Yeah, it probably would be. Uh, 12, on uh, December 11th of 22, 2022, I compared the results of submitting to our fleshly nature versus following the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Paul again writing to the early church. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let. It's a choice. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The flesh rebels against what we want, what the spirit man wants to do. Your flesh is telling you, no food? Are you kidding me? No. And you say, shut up, flesh. <laughs> 
Galatians 5.17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Verse 17 continues, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We yield to our flesh or to the Holy Spirit. Which do you submit to the most? I talked about this a few weeks ago. We're probably, you know, sometimes we yield to our flesh, sometimes to the Spirit. But are we allowing the Spirit to lead us more than our flesh? Our problems are the result of a sin issue. And that is a direct result of not having a relationship with the Lord. I mean, when you condense it all down, it's about the heart. It's about our heart. It's about our relationship with the Lord. Turning away from the Lord leads to sin. The results are moral decay, perversion, wickedness, things that have a very bad impact on people. Having a personal relationship with Christ is vital for us. Through fasting, prayer, Holy Spirit reveals things to us that can help us. Void of this relationship, we are left to our own sad devices. Fasting and praying draws us closer to the Lord. In Matthew 3 and 4, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And this morning, my final questions are, the answer to this question really is, why should I fast? To grow closer to the Lord, to receive clarity in my life. Fasting and prayer will change your life and change the lives of others. I thought about, should I say this? Should I say Fasting and prayer may change your life and the lives of others because I don't like to say things definitively that can't be really truth all across the board. And I thought, no, fasting and prayer will change your life and the lives of others. As God transforms us, He uses those transformation to, to impact other lives. So Wednesday begins our 21-day season of prayer and fasting. And also, remember, I'm asking you to read one proverb a day for the rest of the year. Just one proverb a day.